Well, last weekend, if you were uh, with us, you'll know that Lawrence kicked off our new teaching series. Didn't he do a good job at that as well? Our teaching series looking at the book of Joshua entitled, Are We There Yet? How many times when you've taken a child on a small journey have you heard that question asked? Uh, Statisticians say, it's been researched, that it takes about 20 minutes on average for a child to ask that question. How often in the journey of faith do we ask that question quickly as well? God, are we there yet? When are you going to get us there? How can this journey go quicker? Well, this weekend we're going to be looking at some of the events captured in Joshua chapter 5 and Joshua chapter 6. Last weekend we were in chapter 1. And if you were with us last weekend, you'll recall that even before Joshua has picked up the leadership baton from Moses, God was already speaking truth into his life, already making promises to Joshua before he'd even become leader. And it's a refrain that keeps coming up over and over again. We've heard it already this morning. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a promise that Joshua needed to hear. What a great promise for the people of God. But even more so today, what a great promise for us as followers of Christ to stand on as well, that God is with us wherever we go. That no matter what we face today, God is right alongside us. Well, we heard last weekend, as soon as Moses died, Joshua becomes the leader. There was no leadership contest, contest back in the day, was there? I wonder if we're going to have another one of those again soon. That sounded party political, maybe it was. Well, as soon as Joshua became leader, God immediately repeats the same words into Joshua's life. Joshua, be strong. Joshua, be courageous. I wonder why did God have to keep saying the same thing over and over to Joshua? Well, just maybe because this was one of Joshua's areas of weakness. We all have them. God knew that this was an area where Joshua struggled. But here's the good news that we discovered last weekend. God can use us even when we feel that we're too weak. God can use us even when we feel that we're unqualified for the task that God is calling us to. God can use us even when we feel we might be disqualified from service. You see, in our weakness, God becomes our strength. You see, our weaknesses don't matter at all when we know where to go to find strength. God's grace is sufficient for you today. Some of us need to hear that this morning. God's grace is sufficient for you. And in your weakness, God is going to be your strength And today we see the practical outworking of this truth in our scripture reading. So Joshua, he's a soldier who becomes a spy, who then becomes a very effective leader of God's people. Joshua was one of those annoying people who had a can-do attitude for life. Do you know some of those? Aren't those people irritating? But Joshua too had this kind of dogged trust in God, even though he was somebody who doubted himself often. And you know, I'm always so envious of people who have that gift of faith, that ability to simply trust God, to say, God, I'm going to follow you even if what you're asking me to do doesn't make any sense. It's one thing, isn't it, to hear what God might be calling us to. It's a whole nother thing to take the step of faith to actually do that thing. I wonder if you would love to have an even larger faith than you have right now. I do. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to be praying for you a bit later on as I pray for myself that God would give us a trust and a faith which is so strong that actually it's able to overcome our fears. That God is going to give us a faith that that is so strong that we'll be able to hear God say to us, you don't need to worry because I am your strength even when you feel you're weak. 
Isn't it encouraging? Joshua is a battle-hardened soldier, and yet it seems he still wrestled with fear. I find that strangely reassuring this morning. Joshua was loyal. He was determined. He was a man of great faith, and yet he needed God to regularly whisper into his ear, Joshua, in the same way I was with the other leader, Moses, Joshua, know that I'm going to be with you. Joshua, know I'm not going to give up on you. Joshua, no, I'm never going to fail you. Strength, courage to you, Joshua. Give it, give it everything you've got, Joshua. Give it your heart and give it your soul because in your weakness, I'm going to make you strong. We know for sure that Joshua had the respect of the people that he was leading. Early in our scripture reading that we heard last weekend, the response of the people to Joshua's calling is really quite remarkable. Whatever you've commanded us, we will do, the people say to Joshua. And wherever you send us, we will go, just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Here's a rhetorical question for you this morning. That's a question you don't answer out loud, okay? Can you imagine yourself saying that kind of thing to our national leader today? Wherever you go, we will follow. Whatever you call us to do, we will do. Whatever you uh, asked us to do under the leadership of Boris, we will choose to do for you as well. That kind of obedience can be dangerous, can't it, if it's in the hands of a leader who's self-serving. But we don't see that with Joshua. Here's somebody who has the interests of his people at heart. Somebody who doesn't abuse the, the power that's been invested in him. I think it's amazing. As Justin Welby uh, pointed out in his sermon at the Queen's funeral, with all those world leaders sat in front of him, the great and the good, and they're not quite so good, some of them. A few leaders who could learn from Joshua's Example, Justin Welby said this in the sermon that's the most listened to sermon of all time. People of loving service are rare in any walk of life. Leaders of loving service are still rarer. Don't you wish they panned out to the congregation at the moment when Justin was saying that to see people looking at their feet in their leadership roles? In our Joshua series, we're going to be digging in and out of different stories of his ministry. We're going to jump over some and focus on others. And in a moment, we are going to get to the Battle of Jericho, probably the best-known story in the Bible that there is. But it is worth reminding ourselves that there were a few other significant events that happened in Joshua's leadership before that. Back in chapter 3, when we are jumping over, we find the story about the the crossing of the River Jordan. And it's an account that's very, very similar to the story of Moses as he crossed over the Red Sea. But there are a few subtle differences And these would have really been a test to to Joshua's faith. When Moses struck uh, uh, his staff into the water, the waters just parted. When Joshua is called by God to cross the River Jordan, they actually had to dip their toes into the water before the water stopped flowing upstream. They literally had to get their toes wet before God acted. What a moment for Joshua and his leadership. I wonder how insecure he, he must have felt in that moment as they were dipping their toes into the water. You can hear his self-talk, can't you? I saw God do this for Moses. Will God do it for me? Joshua, come on, be bold. Cling on to the promise that God has given to you. Is this a moment when I'm humiliated in front of the whole nation? God, would you please come through for me in this moment? Joshua, be courageous. Cling on to the promise of God. Will the people of God just think, I'm just trying to do the same tricks that Moses did? Joshua, don't be afraid in this moment. Cling on to the promise that God has given to you. You see, sometimes we have to step into the water before God works out his plans and his purposes. And maybe that's true for you today. I wonder what dead end you're facing. I wonder what river you're facing today that needs to be crossed. 
Maybe God is saying to you, dip your toes in. And as soon as you dip your toes in, God is going to honor your obedience. I wonder what that means for you today. Well, we're going to rejoin the story in chapter 5 of Joshua, verse 13. Now, the River Jordan has already been crossed at this point. It's long behind them. It's kind of a distant memory as they now confront new challenges. God's people in this moment have set foot in the promised land, but they're now confronted with the need to conquer the city of Jericho because it's massively fortified. This is not going to be an easy job. What do we learn from that? Well, just because you've reached the promised land, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have any troubles. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 says this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for this place where you're standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. We'll return to the story in a moment, but just for now, put yourself in Joshua's shoes for just a moment. In fact, better put yourself in his socks because he's just taken his shoes off. At the very beginning of uh, chapter 5, Joshua has just circumcised all the men of Israel and there's a massive mountain of foreskins. Don't you just love the detail that the Bible includes for seemingly no good reason? I only mentioned it because I wanted to see Vicky uh, sign foreskin. (laughs) But there's a reason for the mountain. The reason, as we heard last weekend, there's a reason for the need to cross the river. Those things became monuments. They became something to look back at. The mountain that was there actually was a reminder to God's people, look, you've been set apart. You're a special people. I've marked you. And as a special people, would you live differently from the people who are around you? And as Joshua approaches Jericho, this angel stands before him with a a drawn sword. I wonder how you would respond in this moment. I would be running for the hills. I'd be running for the mountain of, um, yeah, that mountain. Maybe you would freeze. Maybe you would say nothing. But Joshua just boldly approaches this individual with a calm and collected question. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? And he hears the reply, I'm the the commander of the army of the Lord. Was this an old manifestation of Jesus? Well, discuss, not now. Later, it possibly was. You can debate that over lunch. Here's an incredible faith-building moment for Joshua in his walk with God. And Joshua responds rightly by getting right down on his face and bowing down and stooping down in reverence. He takes off his shoes because he's standing on holy ground and he worships. What a relief this moment must have been for Joshua. Doubtless he was feeling insecure, inadequate in this moment. But I wonder for Joshua, did this moment just take off the pressure that God was with him as he was reminded that God is bigger than every single problem he could possibly face? The walls of Jericho are massive, sure, but God is bigger. Joshua was not fighting for victory, he's fighting from victory. And that's so true for us in the position we find ourselves in Christ today. What a privilege. What security, what comfort to know that no matter how big the task is that God might give to us, that we can begin in worship, face down, shoes off worship, in the knowledge that we don't fight for victory, but we fight our battles from victory. That's even more true for us today in Christ than it was in Joshua's day. 
So what do we learn from this story to begin with? Well, first we learn this. Before we can serve Jesus fruitfully, we must learn what it means to submit to Jesus absolutely. Worship comes before warfare. Before God gives us any great victory, we must first be a people who surrender. Who first surrender to his son Jesus in relationship with him. Before God's people could go into warfare, they had to experience the falling down, the honouring, the surrender that was rightly God's as they went to their faces in worship. You see, without worship, without God, the task was far too big for them. When all we see is walls, worship gives us a proper perspective. When all we see is ashes, well, God sees beyond the ashes and he sees beauty. When all we see is death on the cross, God sees the empty tomb because Jesus didn't stay dead. Before the victory of chapter 6 comes the worship of chapter 5. And I wonder what all this means for us individually today. I wonder if there's a circumstance, a situation that some of us are wrestling with, with where we just feel this is too much for me. I'm over my head. There's far too much uncertainty about tomorrow. Well, can I encourage you to start with worship because worship gives us a proper perspective. I wonder when you hear all these stories of victory and celebration and the only thing you see in your life is defeat. Let me encourage you. Would you start with worship? Because your worship of God will give you a proper perspective. I wonder if you're feeling apprehensive and fearful about tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if we are, given all that's reported on the news. Let's get face down in worship, because when we worship, we get a proper perspective. When we worship, we know that in Christ, the battle is already won, that we're confronting. We don't fight for victory, we fight fight from victory. There's a sense in which we need to follow the example, isn't there, of Joshua to begin with face down, shoes off, worship, get our situation in perspective, to know the comfort, the security, the privilege of being in a relationship with God who says, I haven't abandoned you, but I'm with you, therefore do not be afraid. God is bigger than anything any one of us is facing today. But I wonder too, as we think about ourselves as a church family, as a community of of believers, as we journey towards the Jericho, hey, it's been a two and a half year, uh, two and a half decade rather, Jericho. As we journey towards our build project and the decisions that are going to be made over that in the days ahead, it's a huge Jericho, but God is bigger than the Jericho we face. What about as we look at the Jericho, which is reaching this town, our friends, our family, for for Jesus together? It's okay. God's bigger than the Jericho we face. What about the Jericho we face of rising up enough leaders to sustain us in our mission and our ministry as a church? It's okay. God's got this because he's bigger than the Jericho we face. You see, as we face these Jerichos, be it as individuals or as a church community together, we've got to be sure that we have plenty of worship moments. And then massive challenges that we face will find their perspective. The walls are massive, but God is bigger. The wall in front of you today is not bigger than the God who is on your side. Our problems may be massive, but God is mighty. You know, there's no trouble that you're going to face today, which is such a tangled mess that God can't untangle it. With God, no problem is too big and no detail is too small. I nicked that off the back of a builder's van I saw during the week. (laughs) So first we learn from this story, worship face down, bow down, stoop down, and next, would you please shut up? I 
I've wanted to say that for years. <laughs> Joshua chapter 6. Let's read from verses 1 to 11. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands already, along with its king and its fighting men. Already. Did you notice that? Before they'd even fought the battle, God had made a promise that they could claim. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, make the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone will go straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take the ark of the covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march round the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forwards, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say even a word until the day I tell you to shout and then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. And so that goes on for day two, day three, day four, day five, and day six. So the instruction was really very, very simple. Joshua, spend some time walking in circles. That's what I want you to do, Joshua. Now, I don't know about you, but in my household, I spend every single day from about 7 in the morning till 8.15 encouraging my children to get up and stop walking aimlessly in circles. It's such a waste of time. Harry, straight, purposeful lines, not meandering circles. Breakfast, shower, dress, shoes, teeth, bag, go. It's really simple, but not in his world. I read a report from National Geographic just this week, and they've actually studied this kind of thing. Apparently, if you blindfold somebody and you set them loose to walk straight through a forest, uh, they concluded this, without some point of reference, we are entirely incapable of walking in a straight line. Ain't that true? Without some point of reference, we are entirely incapable of walking in a straight line. Even the simple act of walking in a straight line is more complex than it might first appear. In short, lost people walk in circles. And yet this is exactly what God was asking his people to do. Joshua stands there and says, hey guys, we're going to go for a really, really long walk. And it's a circular walk. We're going to keep coming back to the same car park. Joshua says to his people, it's a long walk. And by the way, as we walk, you're going to look really lost. What's so interesting to me is that Even though God had told Joshua that the walk would last for seven days, for some reason Joshua doesn't share that with the people, and I I wonder why. You know, six days is a long, long time, isn't it? But even worse than the long walk is Joshua's command that they're to do so in silence. Shut up and walk. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell them to shut up and walk. You've got an opportunity. Can you imagine how frustrating this walk must have been? Here we are, a bunch of guys who have finally arrived in the promised land after 45 long years in the wilderness. These are a battle-ready fighting machine, and Joshua makes them look like a marching band. 
So all they are, they're just a marching band for, for six days. But what's even worse is Moses doesn't even tell them how long they're going to be doing this seemingly pointless exercise. Can you imagine it? Day one, March. They go home. Hi, darling. How was your day? Did you kill many people? No, nobody. We just went for a long walk. Day number two, long walk. How was the battle today, honey? You're looking unscathed. That's because we didn't even get to fight. We just went for a long, silent walk. Day three, day four, day five, day six. What a pointless waste of time. Or was it? You see, if God asks you to walk in circles, do it, because there is no such thing as wasted time when we're walking in the wisdom of God. You see, God is doing something in this moment, even if they couldn't see it. In time, on day seven, God was going to reveal to them that he was working even when they couldn't see it. On day seven, God was going to reveal to them that they can indeed trust in his faithful promises, because he's a God who's going to come through. On day seven, God was going to remind his people that their faith was on solid ground when their faith was in him. On day seven, God was going to bring them victory in a way they couldn't have imagined. You see, God was closer than they thought. And here's the challenge. The challenge is to walk every single day as if it's your last day. To walk every single lap as if it's your last lap. To persevere even when you don't feel it. Do you know, as Christians, we're far too reliant upon our feelings. Just because you don't feel it, it doesn't mean that it's not true. Just because you don't feel it, it doesn't mean that God is unfaithful to you. God is a promise-keeping God, and we can trust him. We need to persevere today, because tomorrow God might just bring us victory. Isn't it easy to give up on day one, two, three, four, five, and six? Never to hang in there until we get to day seven. I wonder over my life, how many things have I missed because I gave up on day five? Six is our number, but I sense seven is God's number. And I wonder if in this moment Joshua felt just a bit insecure. God, what are you doing? Look, you've already asked me to, to, to cross a river that hasn't parted. Look at Vicky. You've already asked me to make a mountain of, of foreskins. And now you ask me to go on a pointless walk in circles when my natural inclination actually is is to fight. It's hardly a classic battle plan, is it? And yet it's God's plan. It's a bonkers plan, and because it's God's plan, actually it's not that stupid. You see, when we discover the plan of God, we're foolish to ignore it. Do you remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. What does that mean on God's most stupid day? I don't think he has them, by the way. But even on God's most stupid day, he's still much cleverer than me and you. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You see, the real obstacle was not the walls of Jericho. The real obstacle was the challenge to Joshua and the people of God to simply faithfully follow the call of God in their lives, even when it didn't seem to make sense. And we know Joshua passes the test with flying colors. But without Joshua's faith and his obedience, I think those walls would have stayed standing and I think the battle would have been lost. Without six days of silent perseverance, the victory of day seven may never have happened. Before we can serve Jesus fruitfully, we must first submit to him absolutely. Many of us today are facing a Jericho. 
a Jericho where we haven't yet possessed the promise that maybe God has given to us. That doesn't mean that God is unfaithful. It just means that we need to persevere. Maybe your Jericho today is a battle with weakness of character of some sort. Maybe today your battle is over your health. That's your Jericho. For some of us, our battle is that actually we've become somewhat indifferent to spiritual things. They're really not that important. And maybe we're neglecting certain areas of our spiritual life. Maybe that's your Jericho. Maybe it's materialism or some dominating life pattern or some temptation. Maybe it's a challenging relationship in the life of the church or your family or your neighborhood. Maybe, and it's going to be true for so many of us, it's a financial burden. That's a big Jericho. But you see, regardless of the nature of our Jericho, we must realize that victory always comes through submitting God's plan for deliverance and never ours. Would you please avoid any shortcuts to resolve the Jericho that you face? Do six laps because on day seven, God's going to come through for you. You see, the power of God shines even in the shadows of the walls of our Jericho. God shines even in that place. But then when the walls come a-tumbling down, the power of God shines all the more brightly as the wall is removed and Jesus gets even more glorified. When we're tempted to make lots of noise to win a victory, when we're tempted to pursue those shortcuts, when we're tempted to fight this fight in our own strength, perhaps the right thing to do is to shut up and go for a really long walk. Why did they have to walk silently? Well, I know from my own life that When I shut up for long enough, my silence creates a space so that God can speak. Maybe you're wishing I'd shut up now. I will in a minute, and I think God is going to speak. You see, we should never underestimate the power of a silent walk, especially if you feel you're facing a a giant wall today. A a long, silent walk accompanied by some worship will give you incredible perspective. So first, we're called to stoop down, to to bow down in worship. We're called to shut up. And then finally, we're called to shout out. Listen to what happens. Uh, Verse 15 of chapter 6. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city (laughs) seven times. It just gets worse, doesn't it? On the seventh time around, the priest sounded the trumpet blast. Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted at the sound of the trumpet. When the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. And the walls came tumbling down. Why? Not because of Joshua's military might or skill. Not because... Joshua was following his own ingenious plan. Because, but because Joshua said over his life, your will in heaven, God, be done here on earth. And that's my cry for me today as I face my Jerichos and I've got them. It's my cry for you today as you face your Jerichos. Would you simply cry out, Lord, would your will in heaven be done here on earth? Yahweh, not my way. Your way, not mine. I surrender, I submit, I have faith, I trust you, God. That you're the God who always honours his promises. That you're the God who has said that in my weakness you're going to make me strong. That you're the God who has said whatever I face and whatever my wall, my my weakness is going to become a strength. And the God who has said my grace is sufficient for you even as you wrestle with the things that you wrestle with 
today. Before we can serve Jesus fruitfully, we must first fully submit to him. Absolutely. Can we respond for a moment together? And I'm going to pray that prayer for us that simply invites God to grow our faith with him today. Let's be still for a moment. Maybe you want to close your eyes for a second. And I just wonder, what is it? What is God calling you to do right now, today? Maybe he's asking you for the first time to fully commit your life to him, to trust in Jesus, to take that step of faith. I wonder, will you surrender this morning? Will you say, Lord, you've been calling me to this relationship for long enough. Today's the day. Your will in heaven be done here on earth. Maybe today God is saying to you, look, would you repent of that sin that you've been struggling with for such a long time? Would you trust me with it? Rather than trying to find all your own fixes all the time. Those fixes were ineffective. They were shortcuts. In your weakness, I'm going to make you strong if you'll just trust me. Will you surrender? Maybe God is saying to you this morning, I know the world's a mess. I know we're facing a financial crisis. And there's uncertainty over leadership. I know that Ukraine's a massive burden on your heart. I'm going to make a way. Would you trust me with this? Would you surrender? Maybe today God is just inviting you to be generous with some resource that he's given to you. Will you follow today as he leads? Your will in heaven be done here on earth. But God, it's too hard for me to let go of. It's too hard for me to share that thing. In your weakness, God is going to make you strong. Lord, I thank you. (laughs) There's a line that goes with this song that Andrew's playing right now that says this, you are never going to be more loved (laughs) than you are right now. That's the promise which is yours in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you. And Lord, we're going to pray that big, bold, courageous prayer that simply says, Lord, would you take me deeper with you? No matter how strong my faith is today, Lord, would you grow it as I surrender my life to you? Lord, I'm going to shut up for long enough for you to speak. Lord, would you reveal to our hearts as your spirit moves that place, that area, that circumstance that we just need to surrender because it's only day one to six and day seven is yet to come. Would you speak?
you're never, never going to be more loved by the Savior of the universe than you're loved right now. And Lord, on that promise, on that truth, we this morning just run into your loving arms. Lord, we surrender, we submit to your will for our lives. And we invite you, Lord, to take us deeper. Lord, this morning we surrender our self-sufficiency. We surrender the desire to do things in our own strength. We admit that we're weak, but we claim the truth that you make us strong. Lord, this morning, whether it's a a small step or what feels like a giant leap, Lord, thank you that you take us by the hand and you help us step forwards or leap forwards. So we simply pray, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you that you're the gift that just keeps on giving. Even when we're the vessel that keeps on leaking. Lord, fill us afresh. And Lord, this morning, for those things that we struggle with, for those Jerichos that we've identified this morning, Lord, as we continue to take the long walk, which is the long walk of discipleship, Lord, would we see you at work in the shadows? And we thank you, Lord, that you're the God who's begun a good work that one day will be completed. And Lord, whether that Jericho falls in this earthly life or that Jericho is one day dealt with because Jesus comes again and makes all things right. Lord, our choice today as individuals, as a church community... to walk in the wisdom that you give stronger than any earthly wisdom Lord would we know your strength in our weakness today I pray in Jesus name I invite you just to stand with me for a moment. We're just going to be still for a second longer. We can stand today before our holy God because Jesus has made a way for us. We're going to sing a song which just reminds us that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one who holds our faith together. And remind ourselves this morning as we sing that because Christ is our righteousness, we can come into the presence of our holy God. What an invitation you have this morning. And as we sing this morning, it might be that you want to just, with your heart or even physically this morning, you want to just bow down or stoop down in worship. That's fine. You respond this morning as God leads you.
because he's made a way that we can encounter him through our worship this morning.